Football Social Daily. With German Doner Kebab, slow cooked, succulent meats, toasted breads, fresh cut salads, and our signature sauces. It's the start of a new week, but the action doesn't stop for us here on Football Social Daily, your only seven-day-a-week Premier League podcast. Thanks for downloading the show. If you like what you hear, hit subscribe and you won't miss an episode again. New shows released every day of the Premier League season. On today's episode, we'll take a look at the final match of this game week, which takes place at Anfield tonight. Two desperate teams do battle. One desperate to win the title, the other desperate to stay up in the Premier League this season. We'll also discuss Arteta's call for his Arsenal side to match the ambitions of the prolific Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. What a player he is. The striker now leads the race for the golden boot, but can the Gunners keep hold of their star man in the summer if they don't qualify for Champions League football? Plus VAR, yes, it's a talking point again. But after another weekend of hair-tearingly frustrating decisions, we'll take a different look as to how video technology is applied in the sport. Stay tuned for that one. Alongside me in the Sports Social Studio today, we have Steve McNaughton. Hello, Steve. Good morning, Niall. You were mysteriously absent last week after Liverpool's loss in the Champions League. <laughs> Would you like to <laughs> you know explain what? yourself? I, uh, I was on the podcast on Friday because it was the first time in almost two weeks. Because yeah, um, missed you, mate. You know, um, with the job that I do in. in in the daytime our social media has been inundated with where's Steve McNaughton we need, know, yeah. we need that scouse voice back it's with the job that I do uh, in radio you know it's foot to the floor at the minute like and I, you know and there's a lot of stuff going on in sure. that so I had to uh, sit out for a week due to meetings client meetings and other activity uh, that was going on so not quite an international break then no not quite, <laughs> not quite the same talking of breaks Marley Anderson's girlfriend's been absent this weekend so you've been lounging <laughs> lo- lounging about <laughs> lounging about on the sofa doing, doing well, absolutely nothing things ring up. Um, yeah oh yeah I've barely seen sunlight this weekend so you should be all clued up on the football then Marley I watched really. I think I watched six games this weekend <laughs> I watched I watched three on Saturday and then I watched uh, yeah, another two oh, on Sunday. I'd love to be able to do that. I think I watched them on Friday night as well. Yeah. Some random oh, crap. I miss them days where you know I'd be able to sit and watch a few matches back to back. Oh yeah. You know what? Well, you know when you've either got like a four-month-old screaming the place down, or you've got a five and a half got year old who just wants your attention all the time. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come, I've usually got a girlfriend that wants attention all the time. <laughs> That's not what we heard. Let's start in traditional Monday fashion with a review, shall we? That's um, yeah. good. Go on. This comes from Big T Price on Instagram. Tristan, his name is. Uh, he says, greeting to the lads of Football Social Daily, Niall, Marley, Jim and Steve from Tristan of Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. Before I begin my explanation... We're big in Canada. We are, though. We love We're us. We're doing right in Canada. Good up, big up the, Canadi- uh, the Canadians. 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 I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> say then, great start to Monday. Uh, he says, before I begin my explanation of how video review is effectively implemented in North American sports, specifically the National Hockey League, I'd like to thank you all for your commitment to regularly providing lucid and informed discussion on the new people and events of the English Premier League. Not only is your podcast a pleasure to listen to, but it's enhanced my familiarity of top flight English and international football considerably. You deserve a five star rating for your daily performance. Oh, thank you, thank you. What a guy what and a gentleman. We'll actually hear more from Tristan later on in the podcast because he will explain to us via the medium of Instagram DM about the VAR usage in the NHL, the National Hockey I'll League. So I am looking forward to that. Yep. But first, let's take a look at the game that's taking place tonight. At Anfield, Liverpool versus West Ham United. Some people are saying a formality, but of course this is the Premier League. It isn't as easy as that. However, if there was a home banker this season, Marley, mm. you'd probably put your house on Liverpool beating West Ham tonight. Uh, yeah, unless I back it in <laughs> in a betting way, because uh, I'll probably lose it. Um, it looks like it, doesn't it? You can't see anything else. You no. know, 
the way West Ham played against um, against Man City on Monday night was uh, Wednesday night. Sorry, uh, it was very very negative. Um, you Definitely. watched them and they were just sort of like a, a unit shifting from left to right in their own half, pretty much for the entire ninety minutes, just waiting to get broken down. And then they got done by a corner, which they probably probably the only way through them to be honest. The way the the way they mm. played, and then obviously the second goal is uh, very good as well. Um, but you can't see them doing anything different. You can see them just doing that again and just hoping to try maybe grind out a result. Um, but nobody's been better at grinding out results this season than Liverpool. Like they haven't played amazing in every game. They've not blew teams away, but they've been sort of methodical in the way they they will get a goal past you. And then it's a case of do you want to attack us mm-hmm. while we've got Salah and Mane and Firmino waiting to hit you on the break because. Once you start playing with that, you you're pretty much knackered because you're not gonna you're not gonna get any get anything out of that. I don't think. Mm. So I just think it'd be a home comfortable home win. They're in dreadful form, aren't they? You know, I'm just looking at the league table now, and and it's funny that you don't really pay that much attention to the other in detail to the other teams as long as your team are doing okay. And West Ham six wins all season, fourteen losses, six draws, in terrible form at the minute. You know. Two draws, three losses in the last last five. It doesn't bode well, I don't think. No, and the fixtures coming up for West Ham are pretty grim reading as well, aren't they? Yeah, and I think I still back Watford to get out of it. I think they've got enough about them, even though you know the last five games are absolutely identical to West Ham. I I would back uh, Watford to get out of that situation over West Ham. I think West Ham getting relegated would be be massive this year I think financially for them they that would kill it. they it would be are really a big, they, big I, football club to get relegated I'm not sure they'd come back quickly no I don't think they will I, if, you t- if you look at who would go if they went down like who would leave you're looking at them almost the entire first team because individually they're all good enough to play in the Premier League but as a team they're absolutely shocking well, surely Mark Noble's coming towards the end now though if West Ham go down this season I can't see Mark Noble leaving Oh yeah, he'd oh, he'd stay. Yeah, yeah, he'd but, be, be he'd be the bloody kit man or something. If, Rice if he is retired. the big one. Um, Rice would go. Jared Bowen. We spoke about David Moyes' strange decision not to play him from the start against just Manchester bizarre. City. Just um, I wonder whether he'll do the same tonight. A bit of team news quickly. Liverpool skipper Jordan Henderson. He's out for three weeks with a hamstring problem. Jaden Shakiri remains out as well with a calf problem that just won't go away for him because uh, his calves are bloody massive. <laughs> that's why. As soon as he does something, pop. <laughs> Ryan climbing up the stairs. Ryan Fredericks is out of the shoulder injury which he picked up against Man City on Wednesday so Zabaleta's probably going to play again um, which might leave the Liverpool front three licking their lips Yarmolenko is out he's a big blow for West Ham as well and Jack Wilshere is also a long-term injury absentee nothing changes there so looking at the team news even without the likes of Henderson and a bit of backup in Shakiri, I don't think Liverpool have got too much to worry about Naby Keita will come in it's an opportunity for him to shine for the next three games and you know to play alongside Fabinho and, and Wijnaldum and I think I expect us to, to carry on the way that we have. I think that, you know, we, Henderson, what we'll miss about Henderson is his leadership because he, he's he's such a driving force behind the team and, he, you know, the way that he pulls the strings, he pulls everyone together and he makes sure no one's head goes, you know, in, I mean, he's interviewing after the... Norwich, Norwich. Yeah, yeah. Where we won 1-0 we won at Norwich and he's talking about, you know, Mane's talking about the, you know, the ultimate goal, which is winning the league this season and then yeah. Hendo kind of steps in and says, one more game one more game you know and it, that that's the type of stuff you'll miss in the dressing room and you know before they go out and hopefully he'll be around to talk to the lads before they go on the pitch and just reinforce what the message is just to go out there be professional get the job done and come away with three points an hour and a half later and I think 
Liverpool will do that tonight. I think, you know, they'll, they'll go at West Ham, like you say, when they've got the likes of Zabaleta playing. They'll, they'll fancy it down the left-hand side, you know, West Ham's right, our left-hand side. And I think that'll be an area to target. Andy Robertson will, will probably have a big game, uh, I think. But it's it's business as usual. You know, we just chalk another one off. If we can get this one tonight, we're down to, what, three or four wins if, if results go our way. And yeah. it's, just another one off, away. it's just another one off the list for me. Yeah, West Ham have just won three away games all season, Marley. So, I mean, I know we're kind of basically saying one team's really good, one team's really bad, mm-hmm. and it's going to be an inevitable result. Um, what if David Moyes does decide to throw Jared Bowen in from the start and he does decide to just go for it? Because I think in these situations, it's almost puzzling to see a manager go so defensive when they've got nothing to lose. If you think you're going to get a smash in anyway, why not just go for it and play your strongest attacking team? Yeah, um, that's one one way to look at it. If you look at how, you know, West Ham 18th in the league, that would suggest suggest to everyone that they're not very good at shutting out teams because if you were, you wouldn't be 18th in the league. If you had that, that... tactic to fall back on mm. you'd be you'd have more points than you do because you know if it's just you you just wouldn't be where you are if you were very good in one area of the pitch either attacking uh, attacking with your with your front four which is still decent players on paper mm-hmm. but then yeah. you've got you've got your back four which which isn't very good so you look at the likes of Balbuena and Diop they've not been I've never been convinced by Balbuena um Diop's was very good last season and then he's been rubbish this season. The, the full-backs are awful. So if you're going to rely on them... Sick Cresswell's awful. I think he's average. But yeah. average against, like... I just think when, when you've got a good defence, he, he's all right. But when you're relying on him to be the best one in, like, when everyone else is playing bad, I don't think Cresswell's good enough to... Like, put it this way, if West Ham went down, I don't think Cresswell would leave. I don't think there'd be many people going, we need Aaron Cresswell. Do you not think, 20, I think he gets snapped up, mate? 27, 28-year-old guy. What's he ever done? I think he's... What's, think he, he, what's he ever done in the Premier League? Yeah, I appreciate in terms of honours, he's never... He's, no, I'm not know, about honours. I'm sure about... But I, I think he'd be a decent addition to a Premier League squad, even as, as a backup left-back. You know, in in the you know, if you're playing in Europe, I don't I'm think he'd sure. be a bad shout signing Aaron Cresswell. He's got a good delivery on him. He's got I decent pace. I think, he's but he has been let down by the people that I think are around him. And uh, I don't think he's a bad player at all, Marley. I think you're being a bit harsh there. Well, it's one. It's <laughs> funny because you look he's at, bang average. You look at players like Issa Diop as well, who was kind of touted with big moves in the summer. And, yeah. You know, and look at West Ham's defence this D- season; it's fallen through. Diop's kind of got an excuse because he's. I think he's like 22 years old. He's only been in the Premier League for a season. That second season's it's a bit of a cliche, but it's um it's hard to match the heights of, of what he did last season. I mean, he he was okay last season, he was very promising last season. He wasn't, you know, the finished article, but that's why a lot of teams were looking at him. And then West Ham tried to, you know, price him out of any any kind of move, demanding forty five, fifty million for him, which is bizarre, but that's what you gotta do if you wanna keep players, I suppose. It's but, interesting what, what you, you you know when we're talking about West Ham and, and, and what they they've gotta to do tonight, it's They'll be worried to death about going forward tonight because they, you know they're up against a team that are quite lethal on the counter attack, and yeah. it's mm. like you just touched on then, uh, Niall. He, he's got. I think he should go for it, Moyes, and I think if he comes away with a three or four nil spanking, I'd sooner they had a goal and kind of you know played really compact, like you said, Marley mm. against Man City, where they're moving left to right and just trying to kind of stop that you know yeah. you know being broke through. I think. But it's they're in a weird situation. I think they will go, which Jim won't be happy with, who obviously <laughs> hosts the podcast. Um, I think it'll be cataclysmic for West Ham. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that you mentioned there about if they do get a battering from Liverpool, 
They're on minus 15 goal difference. It's so tight down there. The goal difference could come down into it. I mean, Watford are are four goals behind them on minus 19. Villa have minus 18. Bournemouth minus 17. So actually the teams around them, who all lost in their games at the weekend, by the way, Mm. Norwich lost, Watford lost, Villa lost, Bournemouth lost, Brighton drew, Newcastle lost. There is sort of a a, a chance that goal difference could come into it. There is. um, I'm just looking at it. Let's say they lose 4-0 now, uh, 4-0 tonight, by going for it, and they get picked off. Put some level with Watford then. Put some level with Watford. That's not that bad because you're still going to have to win games to get out of where you are. You're still going to have to win games, so therefore your goal difference has got to get better. Mm. So really, it's a, it's a bit of a free hit. Like, you're not expected to win the game. You've got to attack in your next uh, 10 games after this one, 11 games after this one. So you have to get used to attacking. You know, you have to get... You have to plan something. You have to have a go at some point. So why not use Liverpool to to try it? Why not? You might not expect anything anyway. Exactly. You might not get through. You might not score goals against Van Dijk and Gomez and Trent and Robertson. However, you might score in a few weeks when you're playing like Brighton or someone like that. Yeah. Someone around you. To get them accustomed to attacking. Yeah, yeah. At least it sharpens the knives a little bit. Like... I don't think they'll... Well, to lose 3-2 is better than to lose 3-0, isn't it? Exactly. It's obvious there you go. Like, they it's need to so throw, tight, though, like, 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 like you say. I mean, it's anyone from Newcastle down, really, isn't it? I think, you know, Newcastle do have that cushion of, of what, five points, you <laughs> that, know, above Bournemouth. That but, might disappear the way we're playing, though. Yeah, because, you know, suddenly, you know, Newcastle appear to be... In, Newcastle in, have in, minus 17 goal difference. Exactly, yeah, so they so. conceded, you know, quite a few goals, Newcastle, and I think... Without scoring so many, I mean the poor lad up front, Joel Linton. I know we're, we're digressing, but well, I think West Ham are going to go down. Jim won't thank me for that, but I think West Ham and Norwich are two of the three that are going down. Mm, yeah, and like like we say, West Ham do have a game in hand, but that game is tonight against Liverpool at Anfield, so we await with intent to see what happens there. Also, Arsenal fans might be waiting with intent to see what happens to Pierre Emerick Aubameyang in the summer. Their star striker scored twice against Everton on Sunday in their Premier League fixture at the Emirates, which means he goes ahead of Jamie Vardy and Sergio Aguero in the Golden Boot race. Do you fancy him to win it, Steve, the Golden Boot this season? Vardy's kind of dropped off a cliff with his form. I, I don't see why not. I think I watched that game yesterday, probably one of Marley's six games that he watched <laughs> over the weekend. But I thought he was really good yesterday. I thought he had an excellent game. I thought you know he took his uh, his goal really well and he was just a real handful. And and he has not got that about him. He's, he's, he's pacey, he's skillful. You know, we can turn at the blink of an eye and, and, and create something. And I, I think it'd be a real success for him and Arsenal that if, if he did that, because mm. even though the team don't benefit from it, I think there's good headlines that comes from one of your strikers winning the golden boot. And, I, you know, I rate him. I always have rated him. I think it is crucial for Arsenal, you know, to still be competing in Europe, because at the minute they're not in the European places at all, you know, for this season, because they're, they're on 37 points, aren't they? Which is probably their lowest return in, in, in quite some time. And uh, the seven points off Chelsea in fourth. I think the Champions League, you know, it will be the top four. I think City will still be in it next season. Mm. Um, I think it's a bit of a lofty goal. I can't see them bring getting that seven points back on on Chelsea and like you know Chelsea getting beat a couple more times while they're winning. Even though Arteta is doing good things, I'm impressed with him. Uh, I think the philosophy that he's putting in, and we talked about it on Friday. There seems to be a bit of a unity developing at Arsenal now as well, and a bit of a squad, you know, camaraderie and. 
fans are kind of liking what they're seeing because you know Arsenal uh, you know even though they've out of the last six they've drawn four but they've won the last two so yeah. I think the, the signs of recovery are, and there's goals in that Arsenal team as we've seen yesterday because they scored three past their usually miserly Everton team yeah still undefeated in 2020 under Mikel Arteta Arsenal 10 games played 17 goals scored 7 goals conceded 5 clean sheets so they have definitely seen an upturn in form, albeit there has been a fair amount of draws in that time, but finally picking their, up their wins. Their record's weird, isn't it? Six losses is the same as Man City, who are second They're just the draw league. merchants, aren't they? That's all it but is. But we yeah. had that, though. If you remember, Liverpool had that. One know. season, we draw on 11 they've, in they've, Klopp's they've won like the same, season. They've won the same amount of games as Newcastle. Mm. I feel like the difference between Newcastle and Man City. Mm. <laughs> it's bloody <laughs> planets apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that I think that mental. Yeah, I think they're in good shape, Arsenal. I think you know they, they've drawn a line. Understand? They brought Arteta in to do the jobbies. I've not got a problem with the draws because what the draws have done, even though obviously we we want three points every time we go out, is they've stopped the rot, haven't they? Mm. You know what I mean? And they've become difficult to beat. And then you draw four and you win two. You're scoring goals. You got three against Everton yesterday. Yes, I know Leno made a bit of a mistake for you know for Everton's second goal. Yeah, um, but, he was excellent though. But he was excellent. In the second he half, he made game. a massive he, save. He was, massive. And he's a really good keeper. Uh, he's one of the top keepers in the league. Uh, which again we've said on the podcast, and I just think stay positive, Arsenal. Good, you know, better things are on the horizon. You know, a couple of signings in summer. They get you know, they get the new centre back in the summer as well, Saliba from, yeah. from San Etienne. San Etienne and, yeah, you know, who'll make a big difference to them. You'd, you'd hope so. Yeah. And t- if Tierney's fit and they can keep a hold of Aubameyang, and there's a framework there. Is Saka's, it? There's a yeah. skeleton. They've got the young lads as well. Saka. Martinelli, I think he's got ten assists. Saka's all season. brilliant, playing in yeah. defensive role when he's yeah. actually. I don't think he'll stay at Earl. Well, I think it, it, I think there's rumours about him up. signing this really? new contract. Apparently, he's only on three, six grand a week, something like that, That's and he wants more money. And he's stalling over signing a new Arsenal no, deal. Probably, so we we'll have to wait and see. Probably deserves it. To be but fair. what about Aubameyang? And we spoke at length, by the way, about Arsenal versus Everton on yesterday's Premier League Review Show podcast. So go and check that one out. Arteta said after the game, Arsenal must match Aubameyang's ambitions. Mm. Is that him basically saying, if we don't finish in the European places this year and don't buck our ideas up, we're going to lose our best player in the summer? Possibly, usually that's the type of soundbite that comes out from a manager where there's a conversation being had, hasn't it? The, the interesting thing is with this, that he's 31 years of age now as well, isn't he? He will be in June, yeah. So 31, yeah. he's probably thinking to himself, he might have one big move left in him. You know, where he Maybe. goes to, to La Liga and plays for you know one of the teams up there. And that might be on his mind, whereas if Arsenal can say to him, hold on a minute, you know, Pierre, we've, we're in the Champions League. Uh, you know, we've got a fairly kind of decent group draw that we, we feel we can get through. You know, our, our league form has picked up. You're on good money. You, you can achieve here, but captain. It it depends, yeah. Right. And I think it depends on. And can you blame one, him if he does want to go though? No, I think because if he I mean, look, 49 goals in 74 Premier League appearances it's for Arsenal. It's brilliant. Every 1.6 games, he's finding the back brilliant. of the net. But and, and that type of form will alert bigger teams than Arsenal to him. And if one of the, the La Liga teams do come in for him, or maybe a Serie A team like like Juventus or something like that. They might say, um, or Roma or someone like that, because obviously Dzeko is probably, what, 34 now, isn't he? Something like that. Started his career at AC Milan, Aubameyang. And he did, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see why he wouldn't do it, but if Arsenal have missed out on European football and they say they finish eighth this, this season and the form carries on, 
the way it is. He might he might be of mind to go. Actually, I'm going to go and try something else before I get you know I reach my mid thirties. I mean, he's going to score fifty Premier League goals before the end of the season, no doubt about that. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, Golden Boot leader in the Premier League at the moment. Right after the break, we're going to be talking about VAR. Yes, we have to talk about VAR after a weekend of shambolic decisions, in my opinion. We'll find out what the lads in the studio think, as well as how ice hockey use video technology and what football can learn from it. This is Football Social Daily. Don't go anywhere. Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab. Try the new KCAL Kebab only from German Doner Kebab. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Niall. I've got Stephen Marley alongside me in the Sports Social Studio today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for downloading the show. Don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast too or follow or whatever it may be on whatever podcast platform you use and you won't miss another episode again. We're here for you every single day of the Premier League season. And what's also going to be there every single day for the rest of the Premier League season is VAR. Some... Yeah, grimacing uh, looks in the studio after I mentioned those three letters because there have been some decisions worth grimacing about over mm-hmm. the weekend, Steve. And we spoke about this a little bit on yesterday's show. But what's your kind of take on on the whole situation at Chelsea? It's just all a total mess by the looks of it. It is. And it goes back. I remember us doing the podcast in, in last year and, and you made, made the point w- with it. And I remember you making the point really, really well. You said... The problem is with the Premier League in VAR. We've we've not done any testing with it. We've not we, we've just gone we've just gone straight in with it and said right, it's here. Boom, off yep. you pop, lads, mm. and let's see what happens. So you've got the biggest league in the world, the, in terms of revenue, and you've got two you know massive teams in it in, in Liverpool and Man United and Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, etc. And we've just kind of rolled the dice with it and just said, let's just see what happens. And mm. I've always said it's not the technology it's at fault, it's the people that are using it in, in, in Stockley Park. And the 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 difference between how it's used in the Champions League and used in the Premier League is like night and day for me. And the weekend was horrific. I mean, last week, you know, Harry Maguire should have been sent off uh, at Stamford Bridge, I think, and... You had uh, the Log Celso incident, which I, I can't see how anyone would not think it was a red card. And then Eddie Howe was speaking after B- uh, Burnley smashed Bournemouth three nil. But then Bournemouth, he got, Bournemouth, felt, Bournemouth, felt sorry for Eddie Howe. Bournemouth equalised and then were two nil down straight after which because is, of the way VAR worked. And, and you know it, it was a, a penalty uh, because the guys handled it in his box. But you've got to pull him up there and then for it. I think I think you know the the, the lads have appealed for it and said something's gone wrong there. Referee needs to have a look at it. But you look at the Man City Leicester game. You know I thought Man Leicester should have had two penalties in that game as well. I thought the De Bruyne handball yeah. was a penalty. I thought was, yeah. I thought Edison should have been sent off on a penalty as well for that because he's gone in with his kind of two fists into his face and clapped oh, the lad. So yeah. really then, yeah. is VAR not actually doing anything? I mean these all these are all decisions we would have been talking about on the podcast whether VAR was there or not. We would exactly. have been saying there should have been a penalty we were saying it should have been a red card but it wasn't given I think with Michael Oliver was stood with the La Celso one you can understand why he didn't give it because his kind of view was obstructed yeah. and that's not his fault he can't see everything but that's why the technology is there is go it go pitch that's side and point. have a look at it go yeah. pitch side and have a look at it and that's why we're going to get Tristan's view Tristan who left us a lovely review earlier on is also messaged just about how VAR is used in the National Hockey League, the NHL Ice Hockey League uh, in North America, which he watches. And he says, the most frequent plays that require match officials to consult video playback evidence, just as in the Premier League, are offsides and questionable goals. They stop play and consult the video evidence in a media section within the boards. So pretty much like the VAR monitor we've got in the UK. 
He says no matter where a hockey match is played in North America, all the video evidence is immediately delivered to the National Hockey League offices in Toronto, where analysts are required to diligently investigate the events of the play leading up to the call. Sounds very similar, right, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? While play is stopped, a referee will announce the investigation to those in attendance and the video evidence is displayed on the overhead screens for spectators to watch for themselves. Not only does this method show transparency in the league, the rules are clearly understood and so is the routine. Therefore, all parties involved, the fans and players most importantly, are committed to identifying the correct and most accurate decision. I should also say that match officials simultaneously watch the same video evidence as those in Toronto and engage in conversation via telecoms to keep both parties informed about the situation, the question and ultimately the justification for the final decision. Once a decision is made, after a length of time that can vary from 30 seconds to minutes based on the complexity of the decision, they give the corresponding signal for the decision and indicate where the next face-off will be made to resume play. So he says, I would argue that the clear rules, the regularity of the procedure and the way in which the attention of the fans is held by their involvement in the review process are the primary methods why video technology works in ice hockey. How simple does that sound? Basically, keep everyone in the loop, right? Keep everyone in the loop. Let us hear what the referees are saying to each other. Let us hear what the referees are saying to Stockley Park. Show the fans in the ground on a screen. And if football stadiums don't have screens, the Premier League invests in a screen. For instance, we've seen FA Cup teams that are in League One and League Two have to foot the bill for VAR technology, which they didn't ask for, of 10 grand. Why aren't the Premier League then saying, right, Crystal Palace, you've not got a big enough screen, we'll buy you one or we'll invest in one for you because you want to use VAR. That's how it works. Mm. So there's so many different avenues to this, but I thought that was quite a concise and well put argument as to why VAR should work. Yeah, when, when, you, when you say something in, you know, you, you spell it out, then... It sounds simple, but actually implementing it is harder because of the way we're doing it. It's just we're doing it all wrong. I don't. I don't really have a problem with with VAR as a as an entity. I think it's it's good for the game. However, the fact that it takes power away from the actual referee of a match makes no sense because, for example, all. The, judging uh, using the Chelsea example on the Celso uh, stamp on Aspilicueta, all that needs that entire situation is just a replay. Just give Michael Oliver the replay and say, Michael, was that a red card? Because it's hard to judge whether something's a stamp or an accidental um, step in in person in real time. Like he's looking at other things. He's looking at where the ball went. Uh, he's looking at. I think there was three guys around in this sort of vicinity mm. of the of the challenge, um, and then it was like, you know, VAR took it and then said it's no red card, and everyone was baffled. And then the the worst thing about the entire thing is the even if they make that decision, you can kind of say, okay, that's why they've made it. They've said this reason of he had nowhere else to put his foot, which is we don't agree with. However, it's a clear reason why they've gave it. So you almost say, right, okay, it's a bit of a crap decision, but at least they've got um, uh, an explanation for it. But then, in I think fifteen minutes later, I was listening, I was watching the match, and they, the commentary came on and said, "Oh, uh, VAR have admitted that they've got it wrong." It's like, well, if you're going to take two minutes to make a decision, and then fifteen minutes later you say, "Oh, balls, we've we've, we've stuffed that one up," sorry. Like if the game had changed, if Lacelso had gone and scored a, an equaliser, yeah, 
stakes are too high. It's utter I, it's I complete agree. that. Yeah. How can you get it wrong? How can you have all these replays and get it wrong? If you're gonna, if it's a subjective matter, it goes to the on-pitch referee and he has as much support as he needs to see it again and again and again. And then Michael Oliver can say, you stamped on him, I didn't see it, but I've seen it again and I feel like you've used excessive force, blah, blah, blah. You've, you've left your, your boot print on Azpilicueta's shin, which was an absolute mess. <laughs> yeah. And therefore, it's a red card, it's violent conduct, whatever you want to say. But the man in the middle, the man, the referee, has to have more power. This is, VAR is too hard. It's too easy to give, to just shift responsibility mm-hmm. onto someone else because yeah. it's just who, who are they? There's, there's a team of three people. Like if you put me, us three, in, a, in an office and watch the decision, two of us might think it's like a decision's a penalty and one might think it's not. One might think it's a dive. So when you've got a team of officials all, bl- all chirping in each other's ears, oh, I think that's a penalty, or I think that's a stamp, or I think that's... Uh, or, well, where else could he put his foot? That's where it's come from. Yeah. There like, just needs to be one person. Yeah, yeah well, you they, know, that's seen, what happens in rugby league, isn't they've it? They've seen so person. many... Re- yeah, exactly. Yeah. And cricket, there's one, they've, there's yeah. one TV on They've seen umpire. so many replays, they're having a discussion, and they've gone, I can, I can guarantee you they've all went, that's a red card, and then someone on this team of officials went, where else can he put his foot? And, and then they've gone, oh, yeah. It's oh, 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 yeah. That makes sense. I like the rugby Someone's playing devil's advocate yeah, and they've, they they've got the decision wrong. And I think that the, the problem you've got is that you've got too many kind of cooks involved in that for me. Exactly. I think when you, when you hear it on rugby league, you've got the video referee talking to the referee on the pitch and he's going, right, Brian... Just kind of looking at this Wigan Warriors try, mm. you know, scored by Sean McLaughlin, uh, you know, the captain. Looking at it for a potential knock-on and the build-up to it, so I'm just doing it frame by frame by frame. I'm just looking at the the, the ball going down now. I'm just going to wind that back. Yes, referee, you can give that. Mm. Yeah, and it is very much the the same in cricket as well. For instance, when people don't know whether a, a batsman is out or not. The video technology is used, and if the evidence isn't conclusive, and I think this is where they've made a rod for their own back with VAR being clear and obvious, the umpire just says, listen, I've not got enough evidence to overturn your decision of no red card, or I've not got enough evidence, the angles, I've not got the angles, which is uh, as good as the TV broadcasts are nowadays, you are going to get situations where it's unclear... Yeah. As to whether it's been a foul or a stamp or a goal or whatnot, you're going to get that. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's, it's fair if a referee just goes in Stockley Park, listen, we can't make any decision because the evidence is inconclusive. So it's back yeah. to the people then, isn't it? Using the technology, not the, the technology itself. So you have got a Chris Foy in there or or a Martin Atkinson or something mm. like that. It's, it's basic stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think the referees are too caught up in their own bubble. I think the PGMOL and Mike Riley are too caught up in this referee bubble. You know, all being a unit, all we're all referees, we're all in it together. I think that's absolute nonsense. That bubble needs to be burst immediately and they need to basically take it on face value, sit down and watch the game and think, right, this is the decision, this is what's going on. Rather than thinking about backing up their mates... For instance, Mike Dean might be a senior referee. So if a 28-year-old younger ref overturns Mike Dean, I don't know whether he's worried about his own career. So I think there's too much of that going on. I remember I had um, Mike Dean, you mentioned him, because I went to a, I went to a, an event at the uh, Village Hotel in Bromborough a few years ago and it was Gillan Balagay was, was doing a talk with because um, he'd written a book about Pep Guardiola. So it's probably six or seven years ago that that book mm. came out. It's a really interesting book, by the way, if you want an, an insight into what Pep's like as a character. Mm. And Roberto Martinez showed up, 
uh, unannounced. Um, and he was mixing and he was kind of talking to people. You'd had ex-Liverpool pros, their next Everton pros as well, uh, like John Aldridge and um, uh, Graham Sharp, you know, people like that. This guy walks in, Mike Dean, mm. and uh, and the vibe's really good. He would not even give one single person the time of day in that room. Uh, he was kind of had his tweed jacket on and he was kind of looking around. He was being dismissive of people who wanted to come up and say hello to him or get a picture took with him or anything like that. So when you're kind of talking about the ego of these referees and how they've, they've inflated themselves into this position of self-importance, I'm, I totally get it because I think they, some of them, and, and particularly that guy, think they're as big as the players. And that's what they're going on the kind of pitch to, to try and kind of get some headlines themselves. Mm. And I think that if they're involved in a contentious decision and it goes right or wrong, they're in the press, they're getting talked about. And I think yeah. you're right when they're talking about that bubble that the referees are put into. I don't buy it because if you look at the referees from other sports, they're just kind of rocking up and uh, they're in the bar after it, having a drink and stuff like that and, and, yeah. and talking to people and, and, and getting stuck in and having open and honest conversations with people. But... I think it's just indicative of what the Premier League does. Yeah, I used to work in a in a hotel bar in Cardiff when I lived there, and Nigel Owens, the rugby union referee, uh, <laughs> the famous Welsh He's great, referee, yeah. brilliant referee, brilliant yeah. referee. He walked in, bought a bottle of water, sat down, nice as you could hope to meet, you know, yeah. just bloke going about his business. Yeah. Um, if someone asked for a photo with him, I'm sure he would have stopped and said, yeah, cool, no problem. But like you say, I think there is too much of a bubble around these referees and I think that needs to be burst personally. What's your thoughts anyway? Listening to the show, Football Social Daily, you can get us on Twitter at The Sports Social. Send us a DM, whether that be on uh, Twitter or Instagram, much like Tristan did. So thanks very he much. He was spot on, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Tristan, yeah, for thanks. that. Really appreciate your insight and input on that. Uh, just a couple of tidbits before we leave. Uh, Hakim Ziyech, who we know is going to join Chelsea in the summer, his contract situation at the club has been revealed. He's going to sign a five-year deal worth €40 million. Euros. Smart business from Chelsea, Marley, do you think? ZX has been catching the eye for a couple of seasons now at Ajax. Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, he's got a hell of a record uh, in terms of goal creations, like goal involvements kind of thing, goals and assists. Yeah. Uh, cracking left foot. I think Chelsea do need a little bit more creativity in midfield. Um, looks like they're going to sort of uh, reform their sort of attacking Options with you know the likes of uh, Pulisic coming back to fitness in the summer. Hudson Odoi's there. I think Willian probably might leave. Mm. Pedro might might leave as well. Giroud so, might leave. Yeah. Giroud, Batshuayi will probably go. So they're looking at um, you know you're looking at things like that. And Zayek is probably going to be the key man. Then sort of number ten or out wide next season. Uh, can play either positions. He's got positional uh, flexibility. Um, and he's a very very good player. Um, surprised no one's took a chance on him uh, in the last couple of years because he's he didn't cost that much. I think, what was he thirty five million or something? That's not really that much in in today's market when you look at you know, Bruno Fernandez going for fifty five. He's yeah. the saviour though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he was yeah. very good. He was he's very, changed yeah. everything. He was very good <laughs> against Watford. But no, he I mean, good, looks yeah. like a a good bit of business for Chelsea, even though he hasn't stepped foot on the Stamford Bridge turf yet and put on the famous blue shirt of the Blues. But, um, you know, you can't argue with, like Marley says, for that price in this modern market, a player of proven Champions League quality. Proper baller, great signing. And, you know, to beat a lot of teams to the punch, I think, by signing him, you know, this early on to come in and is, is, is shrewd from Chelsea. And I think that should be applauded. That's a great signing. Also, a new contract at Sheffield United for John Fleck. He's put pen to paper on a new deal at Bramall Lane. Chris Wilder trying to tie down his uh, his most useful assets for this season, Steve. I mean, is there a chance that some of these Sheffield United players could be not picked off in the summer because they could well qualify for European football, but well, certainly attract the interest of bigger 
better clubs. No disrespect to the Blades. No, I think it's good, good business. To, you know, John Flex had a great campaign. He's adjusted to the Premier League really well, I think. And you know, tie him down. They'll have European football to contend with next season, and that'll be a big step up, step up for Sheffield United because suddenly it's another plate to spin. And I think. You know, they need the strongest squad possible to do that. They've got a fantastic manager and I think he's deserving of the contract. And I know Arsenal have been hovering around John Fleck, haven't they? And it's just to kind of ward them off and say, listen, John, don't worry about it. Arsenal aren't going to get European football this season, but we are, so you're in safe hands. <laughs> you know. I just can't see any of Sheffield United's players moving on to bigger or better clubs. Why would you, though? Other than Dean Henderson, who's technically not their player. Who would who would go? Like who would you look at? Like they're all as good as each other. They're all sort of seven out of ten players every week. <laughs> as in then this guy. They're not. So you wouldn't take any of those seven out of ten players every week at Newcastle United over. Newcastle's a different thing because we're all. <laughs> f- so no, I mean like Champions League players. John Fleck isn't a Champions League player. How do you know until he plays? Isn't it? How old is he? He's about twenty-seven, twenty-eight. So he looks about forty-eight as well, John Fleck. <laughs> He's I had think a Martin, tough paper yeah, round in Scotland. Yeah, I just don't. Harsh. I just don't see what he's. No, like what he's great under Chris Wilder. Why would he move? I don't. I think he's got. He was in League One two years ago. People, people don't come out of that and then make it to the top of the Champions League. They just don't. Sander Berg is the, their the best top, player. The top's just put, a big statement, you know. But to get in the kind of qualifying for it, which the, which the you know they may well just do. stick uh, with, stick with the ride. Uh, it's a good ride. Just be on it. I'll don't don't chase yourself and go to Arsenal and not get in the team and then waste your career. I'll back myself up here, and I think the words I used were bigger and better clubs. So nice to see you're levelling Newcastle United on the same plane as Sheffield United. <laughs> hey, we beat him, we beat him two 0 at Bramall Lane. <laughs> hey, well we'll have to wait and see what happens in that the one of the six wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks very much, Steve. Thanks, no Marley. Worries. This has been Football Social Daily for Monday. We'll be back Tuesday and all the rest of the days of the week, of course, as more Premier League action comes our way, and we'll be here to cover it all. So make sure you download the show every single day, or just subscribe if you want to. However, you listen to your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. That'll be much appreciated. And follow us on social media. It's at Sports Social on Instagram and at the Sports social on twitter but that's it for now and we'll talk to you again soon football social daily with gdk taste the difference with our quality ingredients and lean succulent beef